Welcome to the Master Your Mix podcast, helping engineers, producers, and artists create professional recordings and mixes, even from home. I'm your host, Mike and Davina. Let's get started. Hey, welcome to the Master Mix Podcast. My name is Mike Navina, and today my guest is Paul Willie Green Womack. And if you're not familiar with Paul, Paul is a producer, engineer, and artist based out of New York, and he has worked primarily in the independent hip-hop and R&B scene. But that said, he's built a discography that has a lot of amazing names on it, such as Wiz Khalifa, The Alchemist, The Roots, Billy Woods, Elucid, and a whole lot more. And in this interview, we get into a really great conversation all about the concept of building relationships with artists and why it's so important to do this. Because it's not just about getting a client right? Like, yes, you need to make money and you need to get clients through your door if you want to make a living off of this. But the way you do that is really important. You have to have some class to it. You can't just start pitching yourself and asking people to give you money. No, you have to build relationships with people. You have to network and grow that network and you have to make people comfortable. And that is definitely one of the really big topics that we get into in this interview. And I just think that this interview is such a important conversation for people to hear if you are thinking about pursuing audio as a career and trying to take that freelancer route of doing it all yourself and working independently, not working for another studio. So in this interview, you're going to learn a lot about attracting the right people to work with for your studio and how to build relationships so that people keep coming back to work with you. And you are growing your network and you're growing your name and you're building your clientele. And Paul just has such a great approach to how he does this and shares a lot of great advice inside of this interview. So with that said, let's just jump right into it because I know you're going to find this super helpful. Paul Willie Green, thank you so much for being on the Master Mix podcast. How are you today, man? I'm great. I'm great. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Of course, man. I'm looking forward to this. For people who might not be familiar with you or your story and how you got into music, how you got into everything you're doing now, can you give us that, that background? Yeah. Um, music has really just been a part of my life since very early on. Uh, I come from a bit of a musical family. My uncle uh, still is, you know, to this day, a professional musician. Um, and he gave me my first drum machine and bought me my first drum kit. And, you know, his band was the first band I played in, you know, when I, when I was 15 and I started playing with him. So I really grew up immersed in, in music and also an early start as a professional musician. Um, you know, I would not consider myself a professional drummer anymore. You know, I still play on records here and there, but that's not my main thing. Um, you know, I'm on the other side of the glass, as they say. Uh, but being steeped in a professional music situation from being young has always kind of kept me on the right track for, you know, all of my career and even school and just that sense of responsibility and, you know, deadlines and being on time for things and all that stuff really was uh, was was put into my head from a, from an early point. Um, so you know, grew up in Hartford, Connecticut, and was doing that. And I was in the high school jazz bands and the drum lines and all that. Uh, so really steeped in just a lot of different music growing up. Um, and then uh, I went to Berkeley College of Music and. Did the uh, music production engineering program, uh, graduated, uh, I'd say many moons ago, but a few moons ago <laughs> uh, in 2003. And, um, you know, Berkeley was a great experience. And, 
you know, the dope thing about music school is your friends become your colleagues later on in life, you know, and I, I still make records and do work with people that I went to school with 20 years ago. Um, and that's a pretty dope thing, you know. The the music world is small in that way. Uh, when you meet good people, it kind of, you know, they, they, they stay with you. So, you know, I did that and then... Uh, I was hard-headed when I graduated college. Those were the days where you might still go to be like a runner or general assistant in a in a big studio. Well, I decided I was going to do everything my way. Uh, <laughs> and I opened a studio with a couple buddies of mine up in Boston and did that for a few years uh, before I made the move to New York. Um, I moved down here to be a manager at a very big studio, uh, which unfortunately since then has closed like a lot of very big studios uh, in New York and around the world. Um, And yeah, when the financial crash in 2008 happened, I found myself freelance all of a sudden. Uh, You know, like a lot of people at that time, and my wife is very understanding, and we had an agreement that I would, you know, while I was on unemployment, I would hustle and get my freelance thing going. And if not, then it might be time for a career change and go sell insurance or do whatever. Uh, and luckily for me, for sure, and I hope my <laughs> clients feel the same way, uh, I was able to get everything rolling at the eight-month mark in that nine-month uh, agreement that we had. Um, you know, and just taking jobs, doing some kind of audio, pushing faders somewhere. So it might be live sound for wine tastings, I was doing that, or uh, corporate audio, you know, I was doing that. Anywhere where there was a button or a fader I could push, uh, I was doing that, while also making a lot of records in my home studio and set up in my kitchen and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, from there, just kind of just kind of built the built my own, you know, professional entity, my own brand, I guess, and you know, I got linked up with a label called Backwood Studios, and we've been making a lot of really great uh, indie rap records for the last almost 15 years now. And, you know, um, their successes become my success because I'm engineering all those records and I'm a part of it and I'm a part of the creative process and everything. So, you know, now just uh, I'm lucky. I get to come into work in my own studio and I make records every day. And I don't take that for granted at all. Uh, I'm, I'm very lucky in that way and just trying to keep doing that. That's amazing, man. There's so much to unpack from what you just said in there. And uh, I'd love to go back to some of those points. And wh- one of the ones that I thought was really something I can definitely relate to is the idea of like networking at school. And, you know, th- th- I always get asked that question of like, should I go to school for this? Should I not? And I'm always like, well, if you go, the biggest thing while you're there is network. Because like everyone is fighting for the same jobs afterwards. But you all like if, if you're connected with everyone, if you're a good person, if you're friendly, like that becomes your network to get into the industry a lot like easier, you know. And, Absolutely uh, right. And I think that it's there's some people that are just like head down, like it's all about me. I'm going to just, you know crush this class or whatever I'm, I, I'm like the best engineer ever and i'll get a job like some people just have this like entitlement going through it and like you know think it's all about them and then i always find that it's like the people that actually network the people who like were the the friendliest people they're always the ones that end up having the most success with it in the end and uh i think it's so yeah. important well you know the music business it's and the engineering side of things the production side of things a lot of it is about technicality and you know gear to a certain extent to a certain extent it's not about the gear but 
it is also about the tools that you use to do your job. Um, but it's a people business at the end of the day. You know, when you're dealing with a vocalist, if you're producing them, you're also, they're a psychiatrist. You know what I mean? Like you're dealing <laughs> with all the different levels of interacting with people and you're working on people's art, right? So it's not just as simple as, I'm going to turn this knob and my job is done. We're, we're the facilitators between the artist's artistic intent and how the audience receives it, right? Like that's where we come in is we translate the artistry into something that people can can accept and so we need to be cognizant and be human about that part too it's easy to get lost in the technology and i love the buttons and i love the plugins and the software but we're making art and that's the human part and so connecting with people on that level is really is really important and i think more and more important in the digital communication world that we live in now, you know, how many times have we misinterpreted somebody's tone in email or somebody made a tweet and we're like, yo, what did you mean by that? Right? Like, but that's because there's no nuance in that digital aspect of things. So we need to make sure that we're connecting with people for networking, for dealing with artists and just for feeling good about ourselves. You know, I look at Twitter and generally I feel worse about the world when I'm done, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, regardless of who owns it. I, I'm not even concerned about this. It's just, <laughs> you know, that's how social media is great because we can connect, but the way that we connect through that is important. Um, and that's the networking part. And I still feel that no matter how great that stuff is, you know, even if it's Zoom face-to-face -face or definitely in person, a human connection goes a lot longer way than uh, a simple DM of, yo, check out my record with a link. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I'll, I, I don't play – if, if you just shoot me a DM and I don't know you and you hit me with a link, I'm, I'm not going to listen because I don't know you like that. But if we have a conversation and we chop it up or whatever, if we're at a show and we have a beer – yeah, I'm going to check your music because now we know each other as people. I'm not just what I assume is one of hundreds that you just sprayed with the link to your new SoundCloud single. Yeah, I love that, man. Like, yeah, relationship building is such a major part of all of this. And, uh, you know, I, I was curious to also dive in. You had mentioned the idea of, you know, you had that agreement with your wife about like, you know, give it, give it like nine months. And then you said eight, eighth month in, you finally figured it out and you got it going. Right. And so I'm wondering how that kind of ties into this relationship building, because I, I see so many people that are trying to get into the freelance thing and make it a career. And it's just that they it seems like they just don't have any tact to finding clients and that kind of thing. Right. And it's exactly what you said. It's just, you know, people are like DMing people and being like, Hey, I'm an engineer. I want to work with you. Pay me money. I'll record your record. You know? And it's like, that that's not how it works. You know? <laughs> like, yeah, just, yeah it's, it doesn't work that way. So, so I'm curious to know how you, how, how you made that work. Well, you know, and it's interesting because this was long ago enough that, you know, regardless of the pandemic, it was kind of a bit of a different world then. Um, because this was 2008, 2009. Like, speaking of social media, I don't believe I was even on Twitter at that point. Instagram didn't exist at that point. Um, but I was going to a lot of shows. And I was getting involved in my local scene, which in New York is a large scene. But every city's got a scene, you know? And you can see that you go on tour. I've done rap shows in... 
you know, Des Moines, Iowa. I've done rap shows in upper Wisconsin, you know what I mean? Like, there are scenes everywhere, and when you connect with those people around you, those are the first and most immediate people that you can see at a show and have a drink with or invite to your studio and connect in, and connect in person. So I always start. I always say start with your local scene and start to build there. You're going to meet people who are on your same level or maybe one step ahead of you and that you can build with together. You don't get to walk in and shop beats to Jay-Z and then all of a sudden now you're rich and famous. <laughs> it, do, it, just, it, it doesn't. It can't work like that. Jay doesn't need your beats, right? You need to make relationships with people where they want to work with you, you know? There's a lot of people out there who are just like you trying to do it, but the difference that you have over them is yourself. No one can be just like you. We may have the same gear, we may have the same samples, all that, but the way that you do it yourself, that's the artistry. That's where people want to come and work with you for how you do it. Anybody can make a beat. Everybody's making beats now. You know, you can do it on your phone. My mom can open an app on her phone and make a beat if she wants. You know what I mean? <laughs> but like, why do I want that beat over somebody else's? A lot of it comes down to that interpersonal connection. Of course. Yeah, I think that that's such a good point. Because, yeah, there, I mean, there, there are a lot of great engineers out there. There are a mm -hmm. lot of bad engineers out there. But like, you know, it, it all at the end of the day comes down to just really those connections and, and you know, how, how hard you're working for it, how much you're networking, that kind of stuff. Like, but but being genuine about it, too, you know, like I, I've definitely known some people in my life that have that have you can just tell that it's like they're trying to get something out of you. And no matter how mm -hmm. nice they are to it, to you, to your face, like, you know, there's something else going behind it. So it's like you have to be genuine about it, you know, and I think that that's always the best way to build relationships with people so that, yeah, like you said, they they want to work with you. They they feel comfortable working with you. And, you know, they, yeah, they, that relationship grows. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Because, you know, it, like, yeah, it's, it's it's the want thing. And the being the being genuine is important because we're in an industry where people can quickly be fake. And, you know, everybody has their own agenda for what they want in life. Like, that's just part of life. Um, but for me, like, the best networking that I do is when I hit somebody up and I don't need something from them. And I'm just like, you know, maybe I'll just send a message. Yo, I see you mix this project. I love the way that it sounds, you know, great work or whatever. And just leave it there. Not like, also, can you hook me up with this? Or somebody hits me and they were <laughs> like, yo, I just really love the way that this Arm & Hammer album sounds. Like, I really like y'all's music. I appreciate you. Have a good day. Like, I'll remember that way, way more than I'll remember random rapper 37 being like, yo, let me get some beats. Like, I don't know you. Why would, <laughs> where, where? where how do you start a conversation like that? Like, if I'm on the street, you're just going to roll up in my face and be like, give me some beats? No, I don't know you like that, you know? Sure. Um, when you're newer and when you're coming up, you definitely have to take more of the opportunities that come to you. Um, you know, you can't necessarily be quite as picky. Like, my main role now is mixing records. I still produce, I still make beats, and I do that, you know, but... My bread and butter is mixing, and so at this point, I produce for who I want to produce for. I don't do it because I have to, because that's not a side thing. Like, I'm a record producer, and if you're in the studio with me, I'm going to guide you, and I'm going to do all that stuff. 
But I don't just like sit around and make beats like that anymore because I'm mixing records. So if you want a track from me, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to make it for you. Well, I have to know who you are. I have to appreciate your music. We need to have some conversation about what we're doing. I don't just make a beat and just like send you a pack or something like that. It's just not really the way that I work. And a lot of people, other people do, but it's like you need to know that when you reach out to people. It's interesting to me how little research sometimes people do. I get people who email me and be like, yo, man, if you need beats, hit me up. Like, no, I don't want your beats. I have my own. <laughs> like, did you do any any cursory research on who I am before you hit me up? Or did you just see an email and see music industry and you decide to hit me up? I'm not going to respond to that. You've done not even the bare minimum before you reached out. So what? <laughs> so I'm supposed to take my time up responding and being like, no, actually, but this and that, it, it doesn't make sense to do that, you know? Of course, yeah. So then on going back to that freelance side of it, you had mentioned mm-hmm. how you used to like go to shows and like you said, go talk to your lo- – get, get in contact with your local network and, and build that scene up. So let's say you're at a show and you find an artist that you're just really impressed by and you're like, that that's a person who I want to work with. You know, what – what is your typical typical approach from there? Because I think I think that's where a lot of people get stuck. They see all these great artists and they're like, "I would love to work with that person, but I don't know what to do." Or 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 they or they try and they're like, "Hey, I'm a producer. Like, work with me." And and it's you know it's what we were talking about earlier. So like, what what advice would you give to someone about approaching an artist that they potentially want to work with and and how to how to nurture that relationship or get it started at least? Yeah, because it's tough to see somebody and be like, hey, you're rad. Give me money for stuff, right? Like, <laughs> it's a very awkward conversation. Um, but, you know, just, like if I see somebody and they have a great performance, you know, they come off stage and you just and just talk to them like people like, yo, I really like that. I liked what you did in this song. You know, maybe have like some specifics like I was actually paying attention, not just standing at the bar and now I'm just hollering. You know what I mean? Like, actually, you know pay attention again that's that human part if i know you've really been paying attention to me i'm like oh snap you really give a damn we can have a real conversation um and you know talk to them and say hey you know i'm a i'm an engineer i mix records you know if you ever need somebody to mix for you um i would love to here are some things that i've done or this is my instagram check out you know check out what i you know who i am and what i do and it's important to have some things out uh i teach i was actually i was talking to uh my students yesterday because a similar question came up and you know the student was like yeah i just i'm hesitant to put my music out because then what but it's like you have to as a producer and engineer you have to have some things out for people to hear for them to want to work with you right um so at the beginning yeah you're gonna be doing work for less than you want to make or you may be doing some work for free you know unfortunately as part of it i did gave away plenty of beats and plenty of free mixes um until the point where i was like i'm established to why i don't have to do that anymore and you know hopefully that stage is as short as possible um but again there's a lot of people out there and a lot of people who want the same gig that you have uh so you know how much you give away is a personal choice, but you need to have something out that somebody can hear and point to and be like, that's dope. I need to hire Willie Green for it, right? 
And that's easier if you make friends with people in the scene and be like, yo, I really like you. Also, your rhymes are really good. Let's just do something. Let's, you know, and this is where you can just do the passion projects and do the things that excite you. And when those are out, then other work can come in. Then people can say, okay, I see what you did. That's really cool. I want you to engineer my project. Okay, well, that's great. Let's sit down. We'll talk about what you want. At the end of the conversation, well, let's talk about the financial side. And that part sucks to talk about. You know, I don't like negotiating. I don't like talking money. I just want to do the record part. But it's the music business. And so you got to do the business part along with the music part. That's why both words are in the name. And you have to get somewhat comfortable doing that. Um, and then further down the line, now I have you know, people that kind of handle that part for me. But I've been doing this for a long time, right? So that wasn't always the case. And I had to get comfortable saying, all right, uh, well, this is what it's going to be. Uh, a rapper named Homeboy Sandman is actually someone who I've always kind of admired. Super nice guy. And then it's business time. And it's like a little uh, switch flips. And he's not rude. He's not mean, he's not cutthroat, but it's like, okay, we're going to do this business part for a second. And then you discuss and whatever, blah, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, bet, that's done. And then we're just back to chilling. But you have to do that part and you can't wait till later. You have to do it when everybody's still friends because it's a lot easier to talk money when everybody's still friends then down the line and someone's feeling salty because they didn't get their piece or something else happened and now we're mad and we're negotiating, that's not going to end well. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, that, that negotiation business part of it is always sort of in the middle somewhere. It's like you, you built that relationship, yeah. you're friendly, now we can talk money and then, yeah, we go back to being friendly. It's, you know, it's that... Uh, you know, shit sandwich or whatever you want to call it, right? <laughs> like this yeah, shitty exactly. part's in the middle, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not the fun part. Um, but you can't you can't be mad later on if your dough isn't right because you didn't want to talk about it early. Because at that point, that is your fault. Of course. You know, if you avoid that conversation and you don't get paid right, that's your fault. Nobody else's. No one's coming no one's coming to save you. You gotta do that. Of course. And it's like Everyone knows that that is part of the conversation, you know, and, mm -hmm. and the people that expect that it's not going to be part of the conversation are the people that are trying to take advantage of you. So it's like, let's just be real with each other. Let's just have that conversation. Be honest with it. And then, you know, if, if I've if you've proven your value to that person from a friendship perspective and you've built that relationship with them, then they're not going to be afraid to have that that harder conversation with you. You know, it's like it's kind of expected. And then you just go back to being buds. It's, it, it's you know, that's all it is. But, exactly right. Yeah. If you're networking, if you're networking properly and everyone's comfortable, then it's not a big deal. And you know, when you make those relationships, then they repeat clients. Next time, it's not as big a deal. I've got a band that I work with called the Junkie Twins, and we did a full length. And I had just met them at the time, so we negotiated, and it was all good. And they're great guys, and you know, it was fine. And they came back to me recently, and like, we want to do some more stuff. And it's like, all right, bet. Well, let's do the same as we did last time on the financials. Okay, cool. And it was all good and it was that easy because we developed that relationship. They know I'm not trying to get over on them. I'm not out here to make a trillion dollars off everybody, you know. I work in the indie world. I understand people got other things, but everybody's got to eat, you know. Because if you're feeling undervalued, the project is now a lot more tedious. Now you're not 
looking forward to those sessions, everything is a bit more of a drag because you don't feel appreciated and no one wants to work like that. For sure. Yeah. And and I also want to kind of circle back to another thing you had mentioned earlier, just about the idea of working for free and just getting your foot in the door. And I think that that's a stage where usually it's, it's, it's kind of like, there's a couple of reasons why I think people do it. One is that just they have no experience. And that's one of the reasons why they get into it. And the other one is that they don't believe they have enough value and Mm -hmm. that they should be charging that. And I think that like, when you're getting started with it, you certainly do have to make get that experience however you can but i also think that you shouldn't say trapped in that freeze that free zone you know it's like you like you said you want to get out of it as fast as you can and if you are going to be doing stuff for free i think it is really important to be considering what what you're getting out of that free transaction you know like mm-hmm. there is always something whether it's like i'm working for free to build my portfolio because like you said like if you if you don't have a portfolio for people to listen to then you know nobody's nobody knows what you're capable of doing right so mm-hmm. it's like if you're going to work for free use that opportunity to build your portfolio and actually get the experience with it and realize like the value you're actually like in those interactions with your clients and stuff like realize that value of it you know ask ask someone like you know you could even do like a pay what you can you know maybe that's like the way you start off with it just to see if like people are willing to pay you a little bit of money and see what they think it's worth you know maybe that's that's just the the way to open the door to realizing that you provide a value you you provide value to somebody and that your service is worth something yeah for sure you know like that the inherentness of of that value i think is important and yeah even if it's okay well let me get 50 bucks per mix something like that which is you know, on the low end, on the very low end of how much a mix is, but it's something. And I've always found the clients where you're working for free or for far under your value are always the most challenging clients. They tend to want the most and be the least reasonable. I don't know exactly what the correlation is there, but it's definitely, there's an equation that maps this whole thing out. The cheaper or more free that you're giving your services, the more obnoxious the clients will wind up being. And the more annoyed you're going to be because, again, you're being undervalued. But at least if you're getting something, of course, there is an inherentness of, okay, there's some real value going on here. You know, and no, you can't walk in and charge 75 grand for a beat. Like, you're not there, you know. <laughs> but if it's something, it's like, okay, you really want this beat? Well, give me 100 bucks for it. And again, it's low, but it's something where – now there is an understanding of value between you and, and and your client. Yeah, it's important because then they're going to respect you, and you're not going to you're, and you're going to feel respected, and that can make all the difference in just the vibe in the room. For sure, yeah. There's there's lots of different ways to go about that, and you know I think um, you know you could offer. I remember when I first started, like one of the ways I did it was I was just like, hey, I, I, you know, buy me a SM57, you know, and mm-hmm. we'll, I'll, I'll do your project for you. You know what I mean? It was just like, I, I'm going to buy this gear with the money you're giving me anyway. So like, might as well just have it for the project and use it, you know, like that kind of thing. It's like sometimes you just make yeah. those trades and that works, right? Absolutely. Um, you know, bartering works. Maybe they're a rapper, but they're also a graphic designer. So it's like, okay, well, let's do this. But could you make a logo for me for my studio? Something, you know, anything, some kind of barter and trade. So you're not just completely left hanging with I did everything and all I got was hopefully a little tiny credit on the inside, right? If you're producing someone's whole album and you've worked very closely, maybe now this is a Mike and Willie Green project rather than just a Mike project. And now it's both of ours so we can both 
you know, get that shine off it or something. Something in there where it's not just artist is getting everything and I'm out here like, yeah, I mean, I guess I worked on it. You know, you want to have <laughs> something where you can you can gain some kind of benefit from it. For sure. Of course. You know, another another tip that I'll give our audience that like, you know, something else I did early on in the day was that like you, you if you are going to work for free, you do want to make sure that the work you're doing is actually going to be good quality stuff as much as you can, right? You always want to leave with, yeah. your, with your best foot forward. So you don't want to find those crappy artists that even if you killed the mix, like it's still a crappy song, crappy artist, like it, that doesn't really help you, right? So it's like try to find the best people you can to like build your portfolio with. And, you know, one tip I'll share that like I, that I did personally was I remember going on like Craigslist and making posts saying like, Hey, I just moved into a new building. I just set up a new studio. Uh, I'll, I'm willing to work for. I'm willing to like work for free with a band to like help me work out the kinks of my new wiring or whatever, you know. And mm-hmm. so, as long as you're open to the idea of like this session maybe not running as smoothly as it normally would, then like I'll record a song for you for free. And what I would do, and and so basically what I did with in that case was like I just put out this ad saying like if you want if you want a song done, send me a send me a demo of your stuff. And, Mm -hmm. and from there I got like 30, 40 people sending me songs and it's like, okay, I can cherry pick and this one's the best one. I like this type of music. I like this artist. I'll record the song for them for free because I know that in the end, the quality of the song is better. So it's going to make my mix sound better. And, and I knew personally, like I, I prepared for that as much as possible so that when they came in, I did crush the session, you know, it wasn't really a shit show, but if it was, at least I set that expectation that, you know, I'm, I'm newer at this or something's wrong in my setup. Like I'm working out the kinks. And I think I found that that really helped people understood what the session was going to be all about. And, you know, it was kind of that uh, under promise over deliver kind of thing, right? Where someone came in and I just did my best. And, and But at the end, I at the end of the day, I, I was working for free voluntarily, but picking an artist that I knew would just help elevate my productions as well. So, yeah, you know, it's, there are points when you can stand to be a little more picky of, on, on who you bring in. Like early on when maybe you don't have as much going on or whatever. And if you're going to give something away, at least you can enjoy working on it. You know, the only thing worse than working for free is working for free on something you really don't want to be doing. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> like that's like, that's just hustling backwards. Like let's work really hard on this shitty thing that I'm not having any fun doing. Yeah. There's no, you know, like there's no reason for that. Um, you know, and then it's like, yeah, come in. Let's do that first one. Oh, you love it? Okay, cool. Here's my rate for the rest of the album. You know, it's a little bit different now because things are so much more single driven. But, you know, you do one single. Nowadays, you have to release music constantly just so people remember you in the sea of Spotify. So you do one. Okay, that one's cool. Great. Well, we did the free one. But so now, going forward, I have to ask for X, Y, and Z. But they see what you can do already so they understand the value that they're getting. But for sure, yeah, you know, it's but and, and that's and that's that thing of you have to have something for somebody to hear to understand your value because you can go and tell them, yo, I'm real good. Okay, cool. Well, the last three people told me that too, and they weren't real good. So, how yeah, do I know me. that you are and 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 they were lying? Well, you can look at this release, you can look at this release. Here's my band camp, here's my Spotify playlist of things that I've done, you know. Make it easy for people to see what you do, and then people can come can can find you, um, you know, and work from there. Also, whatever you do, follow up about your credits. Don't let people put your work out there uncredited. Um, 
because it's often not a personal thing. They're not going to be like, yeah, we're not going to let Willie Green get a shine on this. But artists are now doing a lot of things, right? And maybe just when they were doing the credits, who knows, whatever, just check and follow up. Or, you know, what I do when I deliver whatever my final assets are going to be, whether I mixed something or if I mastered something. And that last email, it's like, okay, here's your stuff. Also, please use this for the credits. Mixed by Willie Green at the Greenhouse Recording Co. Just put it in there and don't wait for them to ask how you want to be credited. Let them know and that sets the, that sets the expectation. Yeah, my name needs to be on this too because I did that. I love that. Yeah, I think that that's such an important like critical step that so many people forget about. They just think it's kind of implied and you know, they, then the artist forget about it but if you've at least said something about it then you're like oh yeah i have to credit that person you know exactly you know producing like executive producing or putting together a project especially if it's an album you know or an ep rather than even just a single there's a lot of moving parts and i learned that by almost getting left off of a big release that i worked on because there were so many big parts there's so many parts moving around and i just happened to talk to the a and r who i was friendly with i was like hey you know, just want to, you know, I hope this is cool, but I just want to check in and make sure that I'm going to be included in the credits or whatever. And he was like, yo, I'm so glad you mentioned it. There's been so many moving parts. So many people worked on this. Let me send that in right now. And then I was credited on it. And that was the Donnie McClurkin uh, duets album that I did. And that was a very big gospel record. And I got work off of that because there luckily are still people who look at liner notes and see it's like, Oh, this sounds real good. Let me see who did that. Oh, Paul Womack did that. Okay, sweet. Let me then reach out and whatever, because I want my stuff to sound that good. But if I hadn't spoken up and advocated for myself, wouldn't have been personal, but I would have been left out because there were so many things going on. Uh, don't be afraid to advocate for yourself, because if you don't, no one else is going to. I love that, man. Yeah, and you know, I can even it, it applies a lot of times in the music industry. I feel like. If you look at other industries and how people present their businesses in other industries, like there's so much great stuff to take from those. And like, you know, I I think the music industry needs to like even learn from like the photography industry like that, you know, when it comes to credits, like credits are such a big thing in the photography industry. And, mm -hmm. and like my wife is a, my wife is a photographer. And yeah, early on when she started, she she didn't ask people for credits. And then it was like she'd see all her stuff being used and shared and this and that. And then it was like. Oh, I wish people knew that was me. And I was like, well, why don't you ask for credits, you know? And then, like, all of a sudden she started doing that and, like, business started coming in like crazy because people started paying attention to it, right? And it's, like, the same thing with album credits. I 100% agree with you. It's, like, I think the reason why we know so many of those big-name mixing engineers is because a lot of us at one point or another have checked, checked the liner notes and have seen, mm -hmm. like, you know, like a Chris Lord Algae mix something or whatever, you know? It's, like, we, we pick up on these names because we see them so, so often in these credits and it's, like, that must be the person to go to. I want to hire that person. So it's just, like, just ask for that credit. It. get it and you'll you'll it'll it'll create that referral business for you absolutely you know because now most of my work you know i i'm somewhat active on social media um but my work comes because you know a lot of it's word of mouth it is not me yelling about myself online but it's like oh billy woods had a new album well I know Willie Green's name is always in the credits. And so I know if I like that, if I want that sound, I'm going to call Willie Green for that or whatever. And that's what generates that 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 name brandness, you know, um, because everybody's yelling about themselves on the Internet. That's kind of what the Internet seems to be for now. <laughs> um, but 
you don't have to yell as much if your name is already if, if your name is just spoken in these circles you don't have to yell from over here about it people know and especially when you're dealing with those local scenes because we're a global music world now uh but local is still local you know when you go to a show in your town or uh, if there's a tour that comes through when you and people you know there's still this community and that's where a lot of your work comes from I've got some big credits with some big names, but my day-to-day is with people around here, right? The big names and the big uh, credits come through every now and then, but my day-to-day every day is I'm working with somebody who is on a local level or on a you know regional or semi-national level or whatever. That's the day-to-day stuff. Everything is not going to be the big spotlight stuff, so you have to generate that community around you because your name's going to ring out more and more there because someone in town is going to say, well, I need a studio. Where do I go? Well, you got to go over to the greenhouse, you know? And like Jay-Z's not coming here, you know? I mean, he could and it's nice and Jay come through, but he's got other situations. The homies down the street and Manhattan and in Harlem and in Queens, they can and will come here. They're the people who are here looking for studios don't forget about them just because, I mean, have your sights set high, but this is the ground floor. This is where the action is right now. While you're looking up there, everything is bubbling down here. You got to also keep your eye on, 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 on the ground level, too. For sure. Yeah, and, and I totally agree with you that that local scene, again, it's just such a important area to just, like, develop and focus your energy on. And, like, I, I can even think of my own scene, you know, growing up. There were so many bands in this area, and there were there were like two studios in town, and all of the bands I liked all ended up always getting giving credit to one engineer. So it was like that was the obvious choice to go to, you know. <laughs> and so like yeah, my band recorded there a bunch of times, and then you know from there some of those bands blew up and maybe worked with other people. But it's like I, it all started on that local level. Everyone worked with that one guy at the beginning because like he was the guy. He got credits, and the other guy. I never saw credits from that person. So I knew there was a studio there, but I didn't see what credits or what credits they had, you know? So just like, yeah, build your credit list, work with the local artists, um, you know, just build it up that way. And then from there, it will grow and your name will grow with all those artists that grow as well, right? Right, absolutely. And, you know, it's it's a community thing too, right? Like we all spend a lot of time in our rooms, on our laptops, with whatever we're doing. We're so focused in and we did a lot of that, of course, obviously, during the pandemic. During the pandemic, I set up my home rig, my, my small mobile rig at home, and I made records in my apartment for a couple of years like everybody else. And then, you know, once we all kind of came, came out, I moved into this facility now, and it's just, we've got a lounge. There's other engineers around, and it's like, ah. Oh, I get to shoot the shit with somebody about compressors because my wife really does not care about this. But I'm <laughs> now with people and I'm in a community where people do give a shit what mic I used on that snare drum, you know. Um, but you bump into people and you talk about that. You run into musicians in the lobby. It's like, oh, hey, I'm Willie. What are you working on? So I'm working on, oh, it's good to meet you. You play killer guitar. You want to hop on this record real quick? I could use a solo here or whatever. Oh, you're doing this? You need someone to mix because you're doing a hip-hop thing. Well, I'm your guy and whatever. And it's like that community thing. Again, we're back to networking. We're back to in, in-person stuff. That's what we haven't been able to do for years and it's also you know because when you're 
in a studio, and this isn't a large studio. We're a two-room facility right now uh, before we do some expanding. But we're not only competing with the other studios in town, but also everybody at home with a laptop and an interface. Well, why should I hire you to mix my record if I've got, you know, the Waves bundle and Logic at home? Well, when you come to the facility first, you're in a place, you're in a place that's specially designed and treated and idealized for this. But there's also the experience, not just my experience, but the experience of being here and all of this stuff. Like, it's fun to go into a studio and to be part of that energy. When you go into a studio and this beats are banging out the speakers and things are here and there's people in the lobby and they're working and they're working on lyrics or whatever, like, that's exciting. Like, I just got myself hyped off that idea. And it's like, <laughs> that's the that's the fun part is this energy of making records. And I don't get that sitting in my living room making beats with my cat running around, you know? It can be enjoyable, but there's there's steps beyond that. And part of that is the getting out and connecting with people and, just, and having those experiences not just hiding out, you know? Uh, I made a lot of records for a long time where I would just sit and I would do everything and then I would just put it out. And then I kind of realized, yo, I could share this with people before it comes out. I could get feedback, novel concept, as opposed to just being completely in my head all, all on my own. And I can get energy from people with just when I play it, like, yo, that shit bangs. That's ready to go. All right, great. Well, I just shared that with the homies who I respect and they like it. Now I have a better view on it instead of my narrow, I've been living with this for six months and I don't know if I hate it or love it anymore. So let's just put it out, you know, because I used to get that way about everything for a long time. And then I would have trouble listening to those records because I couldn't tell if it was good or not. We can do so much on our own and that's great, but it feels better when we can do it with other people. Of course, yeah, and I, and I think that that's a really good point that you bring up just about the experience of working with you. I think that's the differentiation factor for you. It's like if you're gonna if you're gonna get in this business, you have to be able to differentiate yourself to some degree, you know. And maybe that is providing a facility that is you know something extraordinary or just or something that just is inspiring. And it doesn't need to be extraordinary. You don't need to have the greatest gear in the world. You just need to have a place that like people feel comfortable in or they feel inspired. They, they there's, there's that energy there. Um, it's the person. Like I could tell you're you're a fun person to hang around. You're energetic. You're like, you know, people feed off that energy, right? It's like those are all things that separate you from everyone else. And if anyone who's listening to this, it's like, you know, think about what are those things that you offer that people at their in their homes with a laptop and some plugins, like what do they not have that that it's you know, what are those differences? Because those are the things to capitalize on or those are things to to market yourself with. And um you're gonna attract the right people when you when you present those differences to people. Yeah, that's yeah. absolutely right. You know, the technology has really democratized the music-making process. We all probably have similar plugins, right? You know, we have, like, all the DAWs mostly do the same thing. There are certain little differences. Ableton is a different kind of mindset from Cubase or Pro Tools or whatever, but you can make a great record on any of them, right? The days are behind us where it's like, well, if you don't have Pro Tools, you're not making records. If anybody tells you that they're lying or maybe they work for Avid, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> you can, the tools are there and they're accessible. Anybody, if you've got a DAW and stock plugins, you can make a great sounding record, right? All the other stuff is great and there are gorgeous other software and hardware or whatever, but when it comes down to it, you should be able to make a record in 
whatever you choose with the stock plugins, they're all good enough now. And, you know, I feel like you should be able to do that. Um, so if that part of the playing field has been leveled, then what does make someone want to hire me than somebody next door? Well, it's my musicality. It's my experience doing things. You know, it's my taste. Like you kind of, you hire a producer for their opinion and you hire a mix engineer for their taste. You know, it's kind of, it comes down to taste level things. Um, really, you know, to me and like that's, and that's the art part, you know, my taste may not be your taste or maybe it is. And that's why you call me, um, because you like my taste in how I place my vocals or how I manage my low end. Maybe you don't like my taste and then you go next door and that's fine. That's the art part. That's what makes us all different because the tools are overall the same. So now we're getting back more and more into the human part of it. Well, you got the same knobs. How do you turn it? Okay, I like how that sounds. Let's do that. That's that's what we're choosing now. Yeah, of course. Yeah, those are all there there's that artistic vision like when you whenever you are working with someone, you you want to partner up with someone who has that same vision or has those skills to get you the sound you're going for. And, you know, it's important to be able to find that in whatever engineers are in your area or if you're the engineer it's like how do you present yourself that you can do those things for those people and yeah yeah that's right because i've had people and the people ask me well how do i choose a studio not just because of what gear they have yes huge consoles are very cool if you're going in to record a rap vocal you don't need to worry about do they have a 72 or a 96 input SSL. You don't need to worry about all that. You're using one microphone. Do you like the person who is hitting the record button? Do you like their feedback? Or do you not want feedback and you just want someone just to capture what you're doing? That's also totally fine. Do they have too much to say and you're just like, yo, could you just chill and like let me do my thing? That's fine. And as engineers, we need to learn that balance with people right uh we just released the uh new elucid album uh called i told bessie uh and elucid is someone that i know comes in the studio and in his mind he knows what he wants to do um i can give some guidance because that's the homie we've done a lot of records together over the last decade plus um but i'm mostly staying out of the way and i'm capturing what he does because he's that kind of artist there are other people who will come in and they want to know after every take, okay, what do you think? What can I do? Was this part okay? Can I change this? And they want that immediate feedback and I can give them that too. But I need to understand that about everybody coming in when the session starts. I can't just treat everybody the same exact way because people need different things. Um, so, you know, so much of vocal production and a recording is you know just being in tune with who the person is and what they're really looking for because it's the service industry you know what i mean if you're waiting tables and somebody comes in you know they want a recommendation you know listen to what they're asking you and recommend things that maybe they might that maybe they might like you know if you have a regular if you're a bartender the regular and like oh i always drink the same thing what else can you recommend okay well i know that you like um a vodka gimlet. So let me suggest something that might be similar that you're also going to like. Pay attention to people when they're talking to you. And then 
you're having a conversation. You're not just waiting for your chance to speak and be like, no, we need to use the U-47 for this because that's what I use. Are you finding yourself having these conversations before an artist comes into the studio with you? Or are you kind of just like really quickly on the spot kind of deciding, okay, this is the, the kind of person they are? Like, um, well, because I'm lucky enough to have a lot of repeat clients, now I, I do know what people are looking for. Um, if it's a new client, often when it's a new client, you know, they're going to come in and they're going to sit down on the couch and, you know, I'll sit here and we just chop it up just for a couple minutes, you know? Um, and even just off the jump, you can tell, okay, this person's kind of shy and maybe this is their first time in a studio. So I need to maybe go a little bit slower with, you know, between takes, take a little bit more time. Um, if somebody new, I will always ask them, how much feedback do you want from me? Do you really want me to, you know, just lay back and just capture what you're doing, let you work through your process? Or do you want me to tell you, you know, you were a little out of tune on that note. We need to, you know, you're a little under focus on this or whatever. I can do both, but it's what do you want? And the second you ask somebody, how do you want me to treat you? They know that you're on their side. You're not... Because it can be intimidating to come in and I'm here and I got buttons and gear and cables, all kinds of stuff. And, you know, my name is established and they're like, yo, I don't want to embarrass myself in front of Willie Green. Well, no, I'm a nice guy. I'm going to make a cup of tea. You want a cup of tea? Okay, sweet. Here's, you know, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, he's taking care of me. I feel more comfortable. Nobody has, nobody gives a good take in recording if they're uncomfortable, you know, because that's the stuff that translates through the mic that we don't hear. So I don't want you to be nervous. Maybe we need to just let and sit you chill for a half hour before we get in the booth. Don't, don't let me rush you in there. You can tell certain things from people pretty early on in meeting them, at least generally how you they want to be interacted with. Um, and if you can't really tell that, it's a good life skill just for meeting human beings in general uh, and being sensitive to how they want to be treated. That's something I think we could do a little bit more of in the world at large, not just in the studio. You know what I mean? So be a human with people, not just I'm big shot record producer, so we go and do this my way. That's not <laughs> – this This is supposed to be fun. You know? I love it. Because I've been in those sessions, and I've been in those kind of sessions where it's like big shot producer – and might be a new artist in the booth, and they're just like, okay, do another take. Okay, do another take. Okay, do another take. And 12 takes later, they're like, okay, uh, Paul, comp that together, and they'll move on. And the artist is just in the booth like, yo, was I good? Was I bad? Did I suck? <laughs> like, what's going on? And that's the worst position you can put an artist in. There's no more, like, sensitive position to be in than behind a microphone singing something or rapping something that no one's ever heard from a room full of people who may be taking notes or if they're texting, oh shit, they're texting the homies. Yo, this dude is really whack. Who invited him? Like, you don't know, you know? So that even comes down to, this is something for, 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 for new folks. After a take is done, hit that talk back and say something. Say, okay, great job. I just want to listen back to that. Oh, you know, I think we can do that one more time. Oh, yo, that's the one. You got to hear this. Or let me just hear that. I'm having a thought. Let me just see what's up. Don't leave that vocalist hanging where they just did a take and you're not communicating and they're wondering, 
I don't know if I was good or not. That's a really, it's a really weird situation to be in, especially for inexperienced vocalists. Just say something so they know, okay, they're paying attention. Okay, they give a shit. And also, put your phone away. I love that, man. That's such great advice. And yeah, I think it, you know, it kind of ties into what you said earlier about understanding what kind of feedback. So when you did, when you do hit that talk back button, you know what kind of things to say. You know, some people do need that instruction to to make that next take better. Some people just want to hear like, that was a great take, you know, like, what do you think? You know, like just have something to talk about so you're not leaving that person in limbo. I think that that's great advice because yeah, I've definitely seen that myself too, where, you know, these people are just, you know, being so vulnerable on the microphone and then it's just silence and it's like, well, was that good? Was that bad? You know? <laughs> yo, like, that sucks just to be out there like, yo, I just did my thing. Oh, wait. what? but do you, do, do you like it? Is, it? is it good? Like, that's a, it's a weird place to be. And yeah, it's just, it's very uncomfortable. And even if it's, okay, there's a technical issue. I need to find this buzz or whatever. Just let them know, hey, I got to chase down a thing real quick. It might be 30 seconds. It might be a minute. Just want to let you know. Because they're in there in their own little world. They're in the booth or wherever they're at, and they don't necessarily see what you're doing. They might not hear the thing that you're chasing because we've got special ears. We focus on things. And other people will be like, well, I didn't hear it, but I'm glad you fixed it or whatever. But just don't leave people in that limbo because <laughs> it's a it's an uncomfortable place to be. Of course. Yeah, I love that, man. That That's such an important thing that I think a lot of people skip over and – yeah, you're not you're not just engineering a record. I, I think, you know, this this whole conversation, it, it's like, you know, to take it right back to the very beginning, I think it all ties together. And it's all about just building those relationships with people and, mm-hmm. you know, getting to know these people so that they feel comfortable with you. And the more comfortable they are with you, the more you can just help them grow on that journey and have have like deeper conversations with people, have, you know, that, that money conversation or whatever. Like, you know, you can get into some of the stuff to just like ultimately everyone is just like working on the same page and, and supporting each other and making the studio an environment that is encouraging and fun to be in. And that's ultimately going to keep people coming back again and again. Because exactly. when they find exactly. that person that, that they love working with, they're going to keep coming back to you. Yeah, that's right, you know, because the idea, and I tend to talk more about the philosophical and artistic aspects of the engineering world, you know, like, and I know the tech stuff, and we can talk frequencies, we can talk compressors and all that, but the idea is that that part of the knowledge becomes second nature to you, you know, so I can open up the talk back, and I can talk to the artist Oh, well, yeah, the energy in this part of the verse, you want to come up here a little bit or whatever, while I'm turning knobs and I'm notching a frequency and I'm correcting the the, the technical side, they don't want to hear about that. You know, what I don't want to do is like, well, hold on, I just need to notch 250 hertz. Well, what's a hertz and why 250 and what, like, get that part out of their mind and just let them be a performer, you know, because that's a, that's something... That's the luxury of going to a studio for an artist. Even if you have your home set up, you're not the engineer anymore. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about is the mic, you know, is or using the uh, the high pass cut, the rumble, what compressor we're using. Nah, don't worry about all that. I got you. I'm going to take good care of you. You just be an artist right now. I'm going to do the tech stuff and I'm going to take that off of your plate. Because when you have to do both, and if you're primarily an artist and not really a technician, but yeah, you got, you know, Pro Tools, Rig or whatever at home, it's intimidating and distracting to think of both sides. 
I'm just trying to wrap these wraps, but I got to think about compressor thresholds. I don't even really understand that. And it's hard to hear compression. Uh, man, I really wish I had somebody to think about that for me. Well, I think about compressors a lot. So come on through. I'll think about that stuff for <laughs> you. And you can just wrap your wraps. And everyone's doing their job, right? Yeah. I love that, man. All of this stuff has just been so important. And I, I think this conversation is something that a lot of people really need to hear. Um, man, I had so many questions about just like your your production side of things and the mixing side of things. But I just think this is such an important chunk. So, you know, I, I, I know we're running out of time. So maybe we'll just wrap it up here. But if people want to learn more about you, follow you online, maybe even work with you, what's the best way for them to find you? Um, the best way to find me and kind of connect personally is... Uh Probably my Instagram, Willie Green, and the number one. Uh, my Twitter's the same way, but I don't look at Twitter that much. Um, so Instagram's probably better. But, you know, I'm around a lot on the internet. Uh, you know, I do a lot of tutorial videos and, 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 and that kind of thing. I'm very active with the Audio Engineering Society. I'm on the Board of Governors, and I do a lot of events with them. Uh, so I'm out there and... Just trying to share knowledge, you know. If I know something, I want to tell somebody. Uh, I don't want. I'm not here, you know, bogarting the secrets. You know what I mean? I'm trying to share because more knowledge never hurt anybody, you know. And it's not like I don't have that knowledge. If I tell you something, now we both know it. It's not like I gave it away. We both know it, and we're gonna apply it differently. Uh, so I'm always down to share what I know uh, and share my experiences. So. Instagram and Twitter are probably the easiest ways, uh, but also my website, if you want to work with me, if you want to book a book a mix or book a session or whatever, uh, even consultations, uh, williegreenmusic.com, uh, you can go through there and, you know, there's examples of my work, my discography, and then tabs to get connected with me uh, if you want to do some work, because stay working, there's always more records to make, <laughs> these records ain't going to make themselves, so let's do it. Right on, man. Well, thanks again for being on. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. This has been a lot of fun. So that was my interview with Paul Willie Green Womack, and that was amazing. I, I really loved his approach to working with artists and finding clients and getting them through the door. And I think that this is such an important conversation to have. You know, I know often on the show we get into a lot of the production side of things and we get into the technical stuff and talking about all the gear and compressors and EQs and all that kind of stuff. But I do think that it's really important to go back to the philosophical side of things and the psychological side of things. And especially if you are trying to get into this as a career, you need to understand all the stuff that Paul was talking about in this interview. You need to be able to build these relationships and you need to be tactful and genuine in the way you do things. And when I say tactful there, I don't mean having like ulterior motives. I mean, just being a genuine good person so that you truly are working with an artist and making them feel comfortable and excited to work with you and that they feel like they have a partnership when they work with you. That's such an important thing because this isn't a transactional business. This is a relationship building business. And when people are singing their hearts out and, you know, being very vulnerable on the microphone, they want to know that the people that they're working with are actually giving a shit and that they care about the results and that they care about the person's feelings and making sure that their artistic vision is seen all the way through. So, you know, you do have to be very tactful about this stuff and you do have to really be aware of how you conduct yourself around other people. So I just think this is a great interview and Paul just touched on so many great topics that, again, are just so important. So definitely 
you know, don't take this interview lightly, take it to heart and start to implement a lot of the stuff that we talked about here, because I think it will help you grow your studio business and help you grow your network so that you can build your career in this industry a lot easier. So I hope that you found that interview very interesting, found it very helpful. And if you did, you know, make sure to subscribe to this podcast. That way you're notified about all new episodes as they go live because we've got a lot more interviews like this lined up. And I definitely don't want you to miss out because I want you to be able to reach your goals and see success the way you want to see it. And I know that with a lot of the interviews we got lined up, there is so much great information ahead for you. So I definitely don't want you to miss out. Also, make sure to visit MasterYourMix.com. If you are struggling to get your mixes to sound clear and polished and professional, make sure to visit that website because on there, I help out musicians with creating pro sounding recordings from your home studio. And I've got so many great resources on there to help make the process easy for you. One of which you're definitely going to want to check out is called The Mixing Mindset. That is my book where I break down the process of mixing step by step, covering everything you need to know about what steps to take, what order to work in, what to be listening for, how to dive and settings, all that kind of stuff to really make the process easy for you. So definitely check that out. And if you want to go even deeper on the website, we also have some courses that you can sign up for. And I do also offer a coaching program where I will work one-on-one -on -one with you to help you reach your goals with music. And in this program, I only work with a small handful of people at a time because I want to make sure I'm dedicating enough energy to getting my students results. But in that program, we definitely focus on helping you master the process all the way through from recording, editing, and mixing, and making sure that you feel completely independent and confident with your skills at the end of it. So if you are interested in learning more about the coaching side of it, that is something that isn't currently on the website, but definitely send me an email. My email address is info at masteryourmix.com and send me an email with the word coaching and we can talk about what that would look like to work together and making sure that I know what your goals are and whether or not I can actually help you with that because I only work with people who I truly believe I can help. So if you are interested in coaching, once again, send me an email info at masteryourmix.com with the word coaching and we'll talk about how we can make that happen. All right, that is it for this interview. I really hope that you enjoyed that, found it very helpful, and I look forward to chatting with you in the next one. We'll talk soon. Have a good one. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Master Your Mix podcast. To have your questions answered, submit your questions to questions at masteryourmix.com. Please go to iTunes and subscribe and leave a review. And for more information on how you can improve your mixes, visit MasterYourMix.com.